This is the Happy Rant Sports Podcast, in which Ted Cluck and Barnabas Piper rant about old sports, new sports, sports books, sports movies, and anything else related to sports that they feel like. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Sports Podcast. I am Ted Klug, joined as always in studio by Barnabas Piper. And Pipe, we have uh, we have the distinct pleasure today of doing an NFL preview show. This is maybe the happiest time of the year for me. So uh, very excited about the start of the NFL season, as I'm sure you are as well. We have uh, we have started football here at Lane College, so uh, I'm out in the in the blistering heat with my guys every afternoon, and uh, it's just great, man. It's just great to be back. Great to be around football again. And uh, I can't wait to to get into this thing. But before we do, uh, you should do what we have done, which is brew up a cup of Ligaris Roasters coffee. Uh, if you have not gone to LagarisRoasters.com and grabbed a bag of Happy Ranch Signature Blend, uh, you need to do so immediately. Your sports will go better with Happy Ranch. So uh, go to LagarisRoasters.com, grab a cup of coffee. And Pipe, let's get right into this thing, man. Um, I feel like I took a little heat on Sunday at church. From listeners, <laughs> fans of the program, you, you also you took know. some. You also took some on Twitter, which is oh, you know yet man. another good reason for you not to be on Twitter. You will have to fill me in on that, but the, I'm, I'm sure it's along the lines of the heat I took at church, which was uh, because I ride with Johnny Manziel because the show rides with with Johnny Football. Uh, Johnny Football had maybe the worst debut uh, performance of, of any pro quarterback in recent history. Uh, uh, he, Nate, Nate Peterman begs to differ. Dude, but Nate Peterman begs to differ. That's right. Dude, as soon as that sentence left my mouth, I knew there was a Nate Peterman situation <laughs> we had to discuss. Peterman's was worse, right? Well, Peterman threw more picks, but I think he did it over the course of the whole game as opposed to like four out of his first eight passes being intercepted. Yeah, so Johnny Football, I think, had put up four picks by the end of the first half. So that was a that was a bad night for him, needless to say. Uh, four picks, not much magic. You know, there were a few plays here and there that kind of. To you be know, fair, his second pick wasn't really yeah. on him. The exactly. other the other three were absolutely on him. Just horrific, dude. Just horrific. And I, I tell you though, as a student of football. You know, he just looked to me like your classic guy who was trying to do too much. You know what I mean? He was trying to he was trying to force every ball. He was, you know, throwing off his back foot a whole bunch, which, you know, if you're Johnny Manziel and you've gotten away with that in the past, that's one thing. But I mean, this was a guy who had a week and a half of practice under his belt with a new team uh, with a bad team. You know, Montreal doesn't have a, a lot uh, in the in the hopper there offensively besides Tyrell Sutton at tailback and uh, rough rough game I watched every snap though man I watched every every minute of uh, of my beloved Montreal Alouettes so hopefully they can uh, they can put things back together and come back with a stronger performance next week and uh, I still I, I still contend that Johnny Football will be an effective player um, it's just going to take some time and that was a that was a rough outing man so what what were the comments like on Twitter man what did I miss oh just a lot of sort of Hey, did you guys see this? And then a link to Johnny, you know, Johnny throws four interceptions with video, and so it was. Yeah. It, was uh, it wasn't so much, you know, heat in terms of being critical and nasty because yeah. our listeners yeah. are not critical and nasty people. They are, but good uh, but they definitely want us to know when uh, when we are going ride or die with somebody who sucks. Yeah, they're good quinoa eating, kind, sensitive people. And uh, man, I still, I, I think we have a lot of Canadian listeners, pipe. And, oh, and uh, yeah, we get more CFL comments every we every time we post one of these. There, there's, there's a, a the trickle increases of CFL comments and people who've said they watched CFL for the first time because of this. So dude, I mean, that makes me so happy that yeah. we're ambassadors for the CFL pipe. Well, I think I think there's a lot of people who love football and are just kind of burned out on the NFL, which makes sense to me in the sense yeah. that the NFL can't get out of its own way. As we've discussed yeah. in previous yeah. episodes, they they thrive on on being the worst PR people ever. Um, yeah. And the CFL avoids most of that. It's sort of like a, it's like the young, fresh, innocent football league that is all about the game, and it's not about the money and the sponsorships and whatever else. And they have cool names like Alouettes and, and uh, you know, Tiger Cats and things like that. Dude, they're just doing things right, man. They're doing things right up there north of the border. We, and, we uh, had a Canadian listener who tweeted at us the meaning of Alouette, which is apparently it's a swallow. 
So it's sort of a, I don't know if it's like Dude, a regional, really? it's like a regional bird. But uh, That's so, so interesting, man. I would have guessed that it was some sort of like military aviation term, but um, but yeah, it's it's a swallow, which kind of explains a lot about their play on the field the last couple. Yeah, of years. I mean, as somebody who grew up in Minnesota and rooted for a team called the Golden Gophers, that's um, true. I can tell yeah. you that there there is a a, a pseudo correlation between having a terrible mascot and being a terrible football team. I agree. That begs the question. Like, I wonder what the weakest mascot ever is you know what i mean i mean there's uc santa barbara i think they're the banana slugs or whatever but i I wonder if there's a worse one than that i mean Uh, then there's some that are just like not a thing at all they're just like a color yeah the red blacks the ottawa red blacks which i think is a thing like you know so before we get a thousand corrections on that but to the to the untrained eye well the uh, the stanford cardinal like that's not the cardinals that's the cardinal as in and it's not talking about the catholic church either it right. is. It is very clear. It's 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 the color cardinal, yeah. which it's funny because the red that they use is much more of a burgundy. Well, then of um, course you got the you got the Cleveland Browns named after Paul Brown, their right. uh, their original owner, which is kind of the ultimate ego move. That'd be like the Minneapolis Pipers or the Jackson Clucks, you know, which are both great names, by which the way. are both great names. Yeah. As, as I say that those are not bad at all. I mean, if, like, the, you, if the Tennessee Titans changed their name to the Nashville Pipers, they would immediately yeah. become my favorite sleeper team. And Dude, that, they'd have a better uniform. I'll tell you that that uniform is a gong show. Yeah. It's, I think the, the, the new one is slightly better than the old one, which was like top five worst uniforms of all time. Yeah, it's uh, it's because they I mean they, they still have a cartoon sword on the helmet, I think. And anytime yeah. I mean if you if you have two tone blue on your uniform, you get to do one of two things. You get to be a police officer or you get to be a postal worker. That's it. Or or you get to be the Toronto Argonauts and look awesome in their uniforms, but But they're uh, Canadian and so they get a pass. Dude, they get a pass, but also they make it work. You know what I mean? They really make it work. They make it look good. They don't get too busy with the helmet like that my all-time favorite Toronto uniform. I know I've said this, but the the block A on the dark blue helmet, just so clean. And uh, I, th- I think the Tennessee Titans could take a a page out of the CFL notebook as as they retool their uniforms. But the Minneapolis Pipers, I, I love that. Uh, the Jackson Clucks. You know, if if we have graphic designers out there, and I know we do have designers who listen to the program. If you're bored at work um, and you want to mock up a little uniform design for both teams. I would love to see that. I would be uh, I would I would be a huge fan of that because we talk uniforms a lot. The other thing I got at church was uh, a friend of mine. This, this is bad. I call him Spacey because he looks just like Kevin Spacey. Um, that was a I great nickname him, until about six months ago. That's the thing. Until six months ago, it was a great nickname. But I asked him six months ago, "Can I keep calling you this?" And he said yes. So, uh, so Spacey comes up to me at church, and he goes, "I don't know that I've ever disagreed more with a person on a show." Then I disagreed with you and Piper about uniforms, and I'm like, "Whoa, that's a you're throwing a lot of heat there for the yeah, church law." Wow, I mean, he that that's either a classic sort of millennial everything is the worst take, or he's thought through this a lot. Dude, I think it's both, but I think it's mostly the latter. He's a really thoughtful guy. Um, he had some some input and some notes for me. I still disagree with him. You know, he uh, he kind of rides with the new Seattle Seahawks uniform design, which is really all you have to say. Um, about where his aesthetics are at, but I, I think it's a generation gap. You know, I think it's a, it's an issue of him being very young and me being increasingly older. But uh, but Piper, enough about that and enough about uniforms. Although I do think we should, I think we should get the CFL on board as a sponsor of this program. So uh, I will reach out to some people in the CFL universe. Um, I think they'll be glad to know that we are uh, ambassadors for their products. And uh, stay tuned. Hopefully we'll get some some synergy going between ourselves. At at the the risk of getting political, do you think uh, we're going to get in trouble for promoting um, foreign products on our American based show from our our current presidential regime? I feel like they might frown upon that and we might be we might be a little uh, rebellious against the government by doing that. (laughs) Rebellious against the government. You know what, Piper, I view this as a global program. This is a show without borders. And um, as as evidenced by our, our fan base around the globe, um, I think to, to call this an American based program is really um, I, and I know these aren't your words, but I think it's kind of short sighted. You know, I, I see us as a we're a global product. We're a we're a multinational corporation at this point. And uh, I, I think it's just a matter of time before the, the Happy Rant Sports CFL marriage really takes place. And uh, 
I, I just see a happy future there or any individual teams. You know, maybe the Alouettes themselves could sponsor our program. Um, I would be thrilled with that, too. So uh, I would actually be thrilled with just some some swag from any CFL team uh, as a result of this program. So there it is. Uh, I'm putting it out there. CFL personnel, if you're listening, we would love to hear from you. But and I just, uh, I, I just have one more comment about Johnny Menzel, and this is for all the dude, listeners who were very smug because people love people love to people love it when when we are wrong, you know. People love it when other people fail, especially when those people right. are us and Johnny Manziel. So I just have this to say, and that is that unconditional love is very costly, and it so is. we we continue to ride or die with Johnny Manziel. It is unconditional love, and we will we will follow his career to its furthest extent and all of you haters can just uh you can just hold on to that one remember it he's not going away the manzel minute is a thing and we're just we're just going to keep coming back to it dude the manzel minute is always a thing and you know what for that for that matter john manzel if you're listening uh piper and i would like a couple of comeback season hoodies i would rock that with pride um manzel has his own little clothing interest now and uh i would i would definitely pop some comeback season gear absolutely uh, so, so Manzel Corporation, if you're listening, we are uh, we are down with that. But Piper, speaking of gear, uh, I want to use that as a segue into your team, the Minnesota Vikings, one of my favorite Minnesota Vikings players. And in fact, I think the Vikings have my two favorite safeties in pro football, uh, Andrew Sandejo and uh, Harrison Smith. I've long been a Harrison Smith fan. Uh, Sandejo, I like too. And Sandejo showed up at practice with a hat that said, make football violent again. Um, just a black hat said, make football violent again. And of course, um, social media, regular media, everybody kind of sprang to life as a result of this. Um, what do you make of this? What do you make of it vis-a-vis your level of liking Sandejo? And um, what do you make of it in light of the NFL's rule changes, Piper? So I I feel like I owe Andrew Sandejo not an apology because I don't think I've ever said anything bad about him publicly, but I I yeah. owe him some praise because mm. he was a a grinder of a player, like special teams guy, backup safety. Every time he came in the game, it was like I mean he's fine, but he doesn't make any plays. <laughs> he's just kind yeah, of yeah. he's just kind of crappy. He's not not the worst, but just nee. And yeah. then in the last two to three years. Yep. He's developed into one of the NFL's better strong safeties. Dude, you know? he's improved his game. You know who he reminds me of from way back in the day? This might be before your time. Uh, there was a little dude named Chuck Cecil. Do you remember mm-hmm. Chuck Cecil? I do. Little violent white dude, wore a neck roll, so he makes my neck roll Hall of Fame for sure. <laughs> wore like the – he kind of wore like a fullback style face mask, but he played strong safety at like a buck ninety. And Chuck Cecil would put your lights out, man. He would just put you to sleep. And uh, he started out as a special teams guy, but then he, he finally, three, four years later, worked his way into the lineup and became a, a very serviceable starting safety in the league. So uh, Sandejo and Cecil, I think there's some overlap there. Yeah, I mean, and, and Sandejo's a bigger dude. Like, he's a, he looks like, you know, he, he's about 10 pounds away from being a linebacker. Um, yeah, for sure. But but he's not the fastest. He's not the quickest. He wasn't a combine. I mean, he might have been an undrafted free agent. I can't even remember if and when he was drafted or who he was signed from. He just sort of showed up on the Vikings roster like five years ago. Yeah. And then under the current coaching staff has developed into a stud. And the thing is, he's a he's a downhill player, loves to hit. And uh, and so I, I have learned to love him. He's just sort of grown in in my estimation as I've begun to realize how good he is. Um, yeah. And uh, he's the kind of player that Mike Zimmer loves because he, you know, put his head down, work, hit, blood, sweat, tears, all that, you know, yep. everything, everything football cliche. Um, and so I saw the hat and A, it makes perfect sense for him because yeah. he would thrive if you dropped him in 1993. You know, Absolutely. where where he just you just get to blow guys up all over the field where if you're not the fastest, you still can be the best. Like John Lynch would not make it. He would not be a Hall of Fame level player in today's NFL. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. because he was slow, but he was he was smart. He was in the right position and he thrived on just killing guys across the middle of the field. Yeah, that's where Sendejo is at his best. So it makes perfect sense, and I completely agree with the sentiment of the hat, and I think we've talked about this on this podcast before, but 
every effort they 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 do to try to make quote unquote football safer yeah. uh, uh, is a, a, a it's a complete, it's a complete crock, crock because you can't make football, can't make football safe. safe. And, and second, second, it's just a uh, it, it doesn't work. Like the, yeah. the danger of football is in guys repeatedly crashing into each other. So unless you make it a non-collision sport, it won't be safe. Period. So yeah. I'm all for making football violent again. Loved the hat and uh, and loved that he wore it. Dude, I love the hat too, and I think I'm going to get a hat myself. But yeah, trying to legislate kind of different levels of safety into a manifestly violent thing just seems like a kind of loser's folly to me at this point. So um, the NFL will be left to to kind of wade through that rule as the season progresses. But a couple of interesting Andrew Sandejo things. Uh, played college football at Rice, uh, which is why you've never heard of him. Rice is a, uh, a small school in Texas. Um, they used to be, way back in the day when I was a kid, they were in the Southwest Conference. Um, I don't even know what conference they're in now. That that smacks of like Conference USA to me, uh, but I could be I could be dead wrong. To about be that, fair, so. I couldn't name I could name probably three college conferences because all the ones that used to exist have either all the teams have switched places, they've changed names, they've gone away. I don't I don't even know what exists anymore. Dude, yeah, I sound like such an old man when I talk about football now. I still call the Big Twelve the Big Eight. Um, you know, I still I still acknowledge the Southwest Conference. I'm just like a like an ancient. Uh, dinosaur of a man at this point, but uh, Sandejo uh, played at Rice, and then he played in one of these spring like minor leagues for a team called the Sacramento Mountain Lions. So this guy, like you said, man, just the consummate grinder, kind of ground his way up from uh, from minor league, you know, professional ball, and, uh, and now he's with the Vikings. So a nice success story for a and. He was a genuinely awful safety when he came into the NFL. I remember when because they the Vikings forever forever had either one decent safety and one awful safety or two awful safeties. It was always a weak spot for them. Dude, who was there pre-Harrison Smith? I mean, a, a rotating cast of garbage players. Like, the last decent safety they had before him was probably Darren Sharper, uh, another oh, guy who's Sharp? since yeah. gotten sent to jail for doing awful things. But Dude, you're right. Oh, that sucks, man. So, and but Sharper was a ball hawk, you know, sort of that deep safety yeah. ball hawk guy. Robert Griffith was was before him. So, I mean, they again, they've had yeah. some decent safeties, but they've they've rarely had a pair of good safeties. And Sandejo was the guy who they brought in, and and you were like, oh no, because some team is just going to target him all game, and they did, yeah. and he got torched, and that doesn't happen anymore. So he. Some, whether it's a combination of scheme and coaching and then his hard work, he's turned himself into a really good player. So props to him, and I hope, I hope he makes football violent again this year, even if it costs him uh, a suspension or so. Dude, my favorite Viking safety of all time, Joey Browner. You remember oh, Joey yeah. Browner? Yep. He was, tall, he was a little bit before I was a fan, but I've, you know, yeah. as a fan, I've gone back and looked him up. Dude, he was a beast. That was the best Vikings uniform iteration ever. It was the Joey Browner era. Mm-hmm. And he wore huge like hockey elbow pads. That was kind of the distinctive Joey Browner uniform thing. But um, look it up, man. That's a fun Google image. I believe um, he was known for like the one-arm tackle. Yeah. The occasional horse collar play as well. Dude, he was a beast. He had a bunch of brothers that played in the league too. So like that whole family was was scary in terms of, you know, turning out great defensive players. But um, speaking of Sandejo's hat, Piper, and speaking of the NFL's new kind of rules to legislate the violence out of the game, um, who do you think is the first big suspension we're going to see this season? Like what player do you think is going to get tossed first um, for for violating one of these rules? Man, that's tough because – well, here's here's why it's tough. Because the first player who gets suspended is not going to deserve it. It's going to be the league trying to prove a point. So it's going to be true. some player who just he's just trying to make a tackle, and the offensive guy ducks his head, and a collision happens yeah. because yeah. because football, and that's yeah. why this rule is stupid. Um, you know, it's the player that is in my mind right now is Anthony Barr, also of the Vikings, because oh, yeah. when they made, when they came out with the rule. They also came out, there was a couple articles that said, you know, last year, Anthony Barr's hit that that uh, put Aaron Rodgers out for most of the year would be would be illegal this year and, and sure. probably lead to an ejection, um, which, by the way, is ridiculous because if you go back and look at that hit, he didn't hit him late and he didn't hit him dirty. Sorry, Packers fans. Um, so he's <laughs> in my mind because he's a guy who does stuff like that, especially rushing the quarterback. He, he gets a lot of 15-yard penalties. 
He's kind of a blow guys up player. Um, yeah. And then Dominican Sue is the other guy because he yeah. just can't avoid being dirty. Yeah. So he's in my mind as a, as a potential for this as well. No, I'm with you. Sue is Sue is my guy as well. He's a he's a great suspension guy, and he's a great like make an example out of him guy. Because yes, he's a huge name. Um, you know, somebody that has a lot of fame. That's even like, you know, he, he's a great player. Taking nothing away from Indomik and Sue, but I think the the Sue kind of mythos is bigger than the player at this point. Yeah, so. like, like uh, Aaron Donald, JJ Watt, um, Von Miller. None of those guys are going to get. They're they're not going to get suspended because yeah. they're they're sort of too big and too likable. But Dominican Sue is about that level of player, yeah. But but nobody likes him. But so, nobody likes him. So he's a great one yeah. to make an example out of for sure. Yeah. How much would it suck if like you know JJ Watt like bionically puts his body back together and makes this incredible comeback and then gets like bounced because of a helmet to helmet thing? That'd be terrible. <laughs> he's so dumb, dude. What do you think of JJ Watt? Do you think he's done? My dad, who's, uh, whose opinion I, I value a great deal, it tends to be a little bit of a sports pessimist, but uh, Pops is like resolute in thinking that J.J. Watt is, is finished, and I'm inclined to agree with him. Um, what, I, what are your thoughts on that? I think back and neck injuries are the hardest to come back from. You know, yeah. If he had blown up both knees, I'd be like, oh, he can come back at 85% of himself. And 85% sure, sure. of J.J. Watt three years ago is still an all-pro I would player. take it. Yeah, I would um, take it. But a back injury is one. That, here's the thing. He'll probably be at 100% for about a quarter of whatever seasons he plays. But then it'll go. Yeah. And then he's yeah. just done. And that's the problem. It's like you don't you can't sort of grind through a back injury the way that yeah. you can through some sore knees or a bad shoulder or whatever. So I I'm really worried because I love watching him play. He's yeah. I mean, he was Reggie White for about two and a half, three seasons. Dude, he really was. He was that good. And I, I hope he can come back and have a a Dan Hampton like career. Hampton's one of my favorite old Chicago Bears, was a Kind of a big, rangy defensive lineman, played tackle, played some in, depending on who the coach was in, in Chicago at the time. But, um, but yeah, like always fought through injuries. I think his knees were like bone on bone at the end. But um, really good player, managed to, to grind out a Hall of Fame career in spite of, um, you know, some pretty nasty injuries. So I hope, uh, I hope we get a little bit more J.J. Watt time. But, uh, Piper, let's get into some predictions. We kind of teased it with the, uh, with the suspension question, but – um, I've got some conventional categories, some not so conventional categories. Um, my first unconventional one: Who do you think is going to be the new TO, the new Terrell Owens? That is like an idiotic wide receiver, uh, maybe one that we like and one that we dislike. Who, who do you think is the new TO? I I feel like idiotic wide receivers have kind of gone in the NFL the way like Allen Iverson type of players went in the NBA. Like they sort of had their oh, era. And there's yeah. just not that many of them. Like Des Bryant was sort of the last great idiot holdout. Um, Dude, he and, was the last great idiot, wasn't he? And, and he continues he, to be an idiot, just not one with a team right now. Yeah, I mean, it, because he greatly overvalues himself. Yes, um, I think that's I think, that's criteria for this. You have yeah. to like completely overinflate your own importance. See, and guys, like I think Odell Beckham overvalues himself, but I think yeah. he's also talent-wise probably a top three wide receiver in the league. Um, that's true. And but he's the closest to To because To overvalued himself, ran himself off a bunch of teams, made a bunch of people yeah. mad, but always worked hard and always produced. Like Dude, To's game was was always on point. You know that's the thing. And as much as you, as much as you thought he was an idiot, and and I think everyone did, um, you had to respect the game. You know you had to respect the way got, that guy prepared and, and played and. Um, all that stuff. I yeah, think agree. Odell is a little bit more like Randy Moss in that he's not nearly as divisive. Like, T.O. Uh -huh. got run off of teams because people sure. just got tired of him. And that did not happen as much with Randy. And his teammates liked him. Yeah. Uh, he was a little crazy. And he, you know, he would loaf here and there. But just supreme talent. And loved, you know, loved to party a little bit. But I think Odell's the he's the only guy in the league I can think of who's sort of that diva wide receiver. Yeah, I, I can't even think of another one who's close at this point. Dude, does Antonio Brown have any like idiot tendencies? It, that's the thing. It's like he does on the field. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, he's he taunts and he loves to, you know, he does his dumb dance after touchdowns. And, you know, yeah. he had the all-time great play where he stomped on the punter on that one return, which was <laughs> – it was one of the greatest highlights I can remember yeah, yeah. seeing. But Dude, wasn't he also the guy – maybe I'm getting this wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he the guy who, like, Facebook-lived the coach's – speech like after the game in the locker room and he took a bunch of heat for that I was that him so. or somebody yeah, else i think that was him but the thing is apparently he's got a work ethic that's like just under jerry rice level and yeah. you know just so even when he's having contract disputes and whatever he just busts it to be what he is which is the most productive wide receiver in the nfl the last few years so it's it, he he could be at that level. I think if his if if he gets into a contract dispute, that's where we'll see the uh, the diva come out. Dude, what about Kelvin Benjamin for a new idiot receiver? <laughs> Don't you have to be good to be at this level though? Like, I think you do, but I'm I'm digging here, man. I'm really reaching, you know. And so Kelvin Benjamin asserted that if he had been picked by a different team, that he would be good. Although he's now on his if he if he had been picked by a different team, would he have stayed away from the buffet a little bit? Yeah, that could be. I mean, you know, would would be. they have provided a dietitian so that he didn't turn into a right guard? Dude, I feel like Carolina just like, you know, they, they do a brisk business in oversized wide receivers. They had the kid from uh, Michigan, Devin Funches, who was a tight end to Michigan. And then, you know, to his credit, he didn't he didn't hit the buffet line, but he's still just kind of a big a big receiver that can't really separate. So they've got a bunch of like jump ball guys there in Carolina. Yeah. And uh, the, the only. And I think the theory there is that Cam Newton's not the most precise passer, but he has a huge arm, right. so you give him a big right. catch radius. I mean, you know what else helps a guy who's not real precise? Wide receivers who can get real open. Um, That's true. Think yeah. like Steve Smith, the last great wide receiver they had. Steve Smith, yeah. there you go, another wide receiver diva. Who Dude, Steve was Smith also was phenomenal. such an idiot, but he was an idiot that I loved. Yes, he was a totally great agree. idiot. Yeah, yeah. Dude, the NFL is, is lacking in this right now. Um, and you know what, Pipe? I'm going to put another CFL name out there. Uh, this guy's going to be in the NFL. He was an idiot in college. Uh, to his credit, he's he's being a non-idiot in the CFL, absolutely lighting that league up right now. Duke Williams. Remember Duke Williams from Auburn? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took me a big second. Big dude, big receiver, very T.O.-like in terms of his physical stature. Right. But, man, he is roasting the CFL right now. He's burning that league to the ground, leading the league in wide, in uh, in. Re- receptions and yards i think so also speaking of the cfl and to apparently he is going to go for a tryout and Dude, that's what i heard what's the latest on that man is that is that gonna be a thing that's the last i heard is just that he's going now by the time we release this that may have already happened or it could just be to running his mouth again and people are like "Ooh, that's exciting dude he would be the first player in history to get inducted into the pro football hall of fame and have a cfl tryout in the same month that would be amazing <laughs> uh yeah dude I- and i would I, w- I would ride with T.O. then. If he goes to the CFL, like, we're huge T.O. fans. We're getting T.O. jerseys at that point. Um, I, I hate T.O. Not as, do you really? I mean, hate, I mean, that, okay, that's probably yeah, yeah. a little strong. Like, his, he's not fun. Like, Interesting. I, fun divas I like. Like, Steve Smith was fun. Randy Moss was fun. Odell is fun. T.O. is a troll. yeah. Nobody, I mean, he's just unlikable. The fact that you skip your Hall of Fame induction because you felt like they're petty. Yeah. I mean, they they just inducted you into the Hall of Fame, which is the place where the best players are That's like the nicest thing they can do. You know, that's the least petty thing they can do. So like that, and I mean, and especially it's the same class as Randy Moss. And if you look at, like, those guys were production. I think Randy Moss was a better player at his peak, but total production, they were almost exactly the same player. Sure. And... And Moss shows up and gives a great speech. He's turned into a great like commentator. He's insightful and funny. He's done a ton for his his community in Rand, West Virginia. I, they're just- Dude, I'll say this. I'll say this about Randy Moss. I think he really, really. I don't know if this was intentional or subconscious or what, but I think he really rehabbed his image after his career, or his TO did not. Um, because Randy Moss, I think there were a lot of people in the league and fan wise who would have thought Randy Moss is a troll. Um, when he played, you know, he was phenomenal oh, yeah. as a player, obviously, but like there were, there were a lot of people who couldn't stand him, but you he know, was, since he, he was left- enigmatic because you watch him and you, you know, so he played for the Vikings and they yeah. got rid of him after a while, after like seven or eight of the best seasons, he was the most dominant athlete I have ever seen in person. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I was at his breakout game, his rookie year against the Packers at Lambeau field 
Dude, and were it, you? Yes. That 1998 wow. season just torched him. And that was when they the Packers are coming off a Super Bowl year. Brett Favre was at his peak. That They were the favorites, and the Vikings just put it on him. Interesting. And then he goes to Oakland where he just – he wouldn't play for guys he thought were stupid. And he thought that yeah. entire organization was stupid. And he still made a bunch of plays. Yeah. But then he goes from there to New England. And everybody thought yeah. he was done at that point. Well, New England's the most demanding place in the league to play. And you better walk the line. And he goes on to break the NFL touchdown record. And just the, the Patriots break all the offensive records. They yeah. go undefeated in the regular season. And... That shows a little bit about him. Like, if he had stayed with a halfway decent coach for his whole career, he would have broken every record. He just, yeah. and that's on him for not being yeah. a self starter and all those things. But it just, like, T.O., he produced wherever he went, and people got tired of him after a year and a half everywhere he went. Yeah, that's true, man. There was some maturation there in the Randy Moss arc, I think. Um, the, the, maybe the, maybe the TO arc or, uh, yeah, the TO arc kind of, kind of lacked that a little bit. Um, okay. Speaking of people with T in their nicknames, uh, let's talk about the new T rich, the new Trent Richardson. So that is the new disappointing running back. There are a lot of running backs with a lot of hype coming into the season. Piper, uh, one of them is a Minnesota Viking. Um, who do you think is going to be the disappointing, uh, running back this season? I'm going to go with the guy who was actually a rookie last year and that's Leonard Fournette. Interesting. Talk about that. Well, I think Leonard Fournette and uh, Trent Richardson have a lot in common as uh-huh. as the kind of running backs they are. I think Fournette was a little bit more physically imposing, but that's essentially what got Richardson by. He was just sort of bigger, stronger, played at Alabama behind a good offensive line. Fournette right. played at LSU. Um, I I think if you look at Fournette's statistics last year, you know he had he had a few really good games. Yep. And then he averaged like three point three yards a carry in his other games, which is. Yeah right around Trent Richardson level. Um, <laughs> I, I think Jacksonville's offense got worse because they had a bad passing game last year, and then they got rid of their best receivers, uh-huh. um, be- as one does when you have a bad passing game. Dude, yeah. Wow. And so right. I, I, think, I think he is set up. I mean, if, if you're going to play Jacksonville, you really ought to just you guard whoever's on the outside one-on-one. You maybe keep one safety back. And everybody mm-hmm. else is just like, well, we're just going to stop Leonard Fournette because yeah. they literally have nothing else. They have they they are the this is like the Browns in 1964 kind of football. This is they've <laughs> gone backwards. So yeah. I don't know how good he is, but I think production wise, he's going to be a huge disappointment. Interesting. Yeah, they really did lose their receiving core there in, uh, in Jacksonville. It was but, never an offense. But that they you... re-signed their terrible quarterback, so they got that going for them. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it, it was never a team that you really equated with, like, explosion from that position group. But but they had some nice players. I mean, Allen Robinson was a, was a very nice player, and now he's a Chicago Bear. So um, my new T-Rich is Zeke, Ezekiel Elliott. Um, mm. Still a good offensive line in Dallas, but I think that offense is in a shambles. Um, they don't have any receivers that can separate. Um, I think Dak Prescott is struggling. Um, I think a lot of people are going to load the box against Dallas in a, in a similar scenario to the one that you laid out, uh, for Lynn Fournette. So my new T rich, um, is going to be Ezekiel Elliott. Speaking of T rich, just to keep things. There's a little, I mean, the, the one thing that Zeke has going for him, well, he's got two things going for him. One, Dallas still has a good offensive line. I think Jacksonville's is above average, but not great. Yeah. And and Zeke can catch passes. Yeah. Fournette can't. He's a he's a bad receiver. Yeah, he's pretty one dimensional. So I it's a, yeah, it's I mean, a good he's, dimension. But. He's Jerome Bettis is what he is, except this isn't the era when Jerome Bettis thrived. Dude, I like Jerome Bettis. I think he's Eddie George. You know, yeah, I think he's I like early career Eddie George. Yeah. Which still, you know, not a huge receiving threat. But um I like Fournette. I I a lot of people kind of you know, we're not fans of that pick because they thought Jacksonville should have picked a quarterback and you could definitely make that argument. But, um, for what they want to do, um, I like Fournette a lot and I'm gambling that they can put together some semblance of a passing game to keep the, the boxes a little bit lighter against, uh, against Leonard Fournette. Um, speaking of passing games, Piper, uh, my next category, new case Keenum. Uh, so who's the new backup quarterback who's going to matter? Um, in 2018. So as you look at the quarterback landscape in the league, uh, who is your new Case Keenum, your new backup quarterback who will matter? Um, 
aside from Nick Foles, who won the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, that because that's sort of its own weird category. Mm-hmm. This was hard for me because because Keenum was in a unique spot last year where nobody expected him to start because Bradford was the starter, um, yep. and the team was really good except for the quarterback where there was a question, and he stepped in and and engineered a really successful season. And I was, I was looking around the league going. Who are other really good teams minus the quarterback? Yeah. And I was like, well, Jacksonville's a really good team minus the quarterback. Well, their backup quarterbacks couldn't play for the Browns last year, quite literally. Like Cody Kessler's their backup, I think. So um, so that that didn't work. Um, And so I just started to look around the league. And so then I started thinking, okay, well, who are good starters who are very who are who are likely to get injured? You know? Or and so I went to the Steelers. Okay. So two, well, two teams. The Steelers, because I think they're an exceptional team, um, mm-hmm. and Big Ben is fragile. So that leaves Landry Jones or Mason Rudolph. Interesting. Um, I think it comes down to Mason Rudolph because I think we know what Landry Jones is. Yep. So yep. Mason Rudolph is a possibility. The other, the other team that comes to mind is Tennessee. Because yeah. I, I think they're, they were a playoff team last year. I think they're probably yep. going to be better this year. With a yep. better coach, and Mariota's very fragile. He is, which puts it in the hands of Blaine Gabbert, who I actually like. Man, people like well, to knock Blaine Gabbert, but I like him. Well, see, Blaine Gabbert and Case Keenum have a lot in common, and that is really productive in college. Yep, really struggled in the pros, but also never been in a great situation for them. Dude, Gabbert has been on historically crappy rosters right. since he's been in the league. Just generationally crappy teams. So yeah. this strikes me as a situation where, like, in week three, Mariota gets a high ankle sprain. He's going to be out for four weeks. Yep. And all Titans fans think their season is going down the drain. And Gabbard steps in and goes three and one. Yeah. You know, and, and he, doesn't, he doesn't blow, you know, he doesn't blow the doors off offensively. But they run a tight scheme. They have good talent at running back and tight end. They've got okay wide receivers they got a good offensive line like all the pieces are there for a guy who just like just don't screw it up yeah and i think i so he he would be my pick because i i don't have enough faith in mason rudolph especially because uh he sounds like a tennis player and he's a rookie (laughs) um and gabbert has a lot of those case keenum parallels dude so i have two in this category and and like you piper i looked at um you know, teams that were not even necessarily decent, but at least viable teams that weren't awful um, teams with interesting rosters. And the two that I came up with, uh, Jacoby Brissett. So Indianapolis Colts backup. See, um, I, he, he I wrote him down, but he started all year last year for him. Dude, right. And he played well. And th- this is supposed to be the big kind of Andrew Luck return year. And I don't know, man. I don't know how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he stays healthy for 16 games. Um, I hope he does. I really want to see a, a league with a healthy Andrew Luck in it. I think is a good thing. But um, I like Brissett. I think Brissett has played well. He quietly did a uh, a more than and than adequate job there in Indianapolis last season. So he's one. The other one, dude, and this is the one I'm really, really pulling for: Robert Griffin the Third, man. Robert Griffin the Third, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, you've got Joe Flacco, RG three, Lamar Jackson in that quarterback room. You and I love Lamar. That's well documented on the program. Um, I think you and I would also maybe agree that Lamar's not exactly ready yet. Um, he's not, I, I don't know that he's ready to assume the role that he's ultimately mm-hmm. going to have, which is going to be the full-time starting quarterback, the Baltimore Ravens. Really but, interesting parallel to the Keenum situation there too, because, yeah. um, the Vikings had Teddy Bridgewater last year, so that was a third quarterback on the roster who everybody loved and yeah. everybody yeah. wanted to see play. Now, there, there was injury issues there, so that's a little different, whereas Lamar Jackson has rookie issues. But there's, yeah. that, there's that waiting in the wings, really excited about it, and this kind of non-exciting guy who everybody thinks isn't very good steps in. So there's, there's yeah. a unique parallel. I, I would be thrilled if Robert Griffin III came in. And, I would too. Well, first of all, he's already better than Joe Flacco. because Absolutely. Because 80% of the – like all the starters in the league and about 80% of the backups are better than Joe Flacco. So that, Dude, I think that if RG3 up. stays healthy, he wins that job. Um, I think he plays well, man. I think the kid is a good quarterback. He's just had – a raw deal ever since his rookie year, the injury, you know, ever since that injury, it's been a, just a series of horrific 
you know, bad luck for RG3. But I think uh, I think this could be the season that he comes back. Um, I think he's going to win that job, and I think he's going to do um, an adequate to good job as as Baltimore's starting QB. And I'll be uh, I'll be excited to see it. That's going to be fun. Um, Piper, I want to I want to lay a theory on you, and then I want to ask you another question. Um, I think defensive tackle is the new edge rusher, just because of the way a lot of these offenses run and how quickly the ball gets out. I, I don't know that um, edge rusher is the premium thing that it used to be. Uh, that being said, who's your favorite defensive tackle? I think defensive tackle and getting pressure through the middle um, is the new kind of getting pressure off the edge. And uh, I, w- I want to hear you talk about defensive tackles a little bit. Who do you like in that space? Um well, I mean, Aaron Donald is the most fun to watch, just period, at at tackle because he because he's a pure tackle. He's not a um, he's not a you know a kind of a JJ Watt hybrid who can slide inside or like Whitney Merciless or whoever. He, yeah, he just lines up over guard and yep. and is the fastest into the backfield I've seen since like John Randall. Yeah, um, and he's kind of John Randall esque in that he's small for a tackle yeah. and. Yeah just eats the other team alive Um, dude he is small i i honestly think with the exception of corner and free safety you could put aaron donald anywhere on the defense and he would do a good job i mean he could play inside backer he could play outside backer standing up i think he could play strong safety in the box like the guy could do anything um he's that good yeah so i mean he's he in terms of defensive tackle, he stands alone. I don't know if there's anybody else who's quite like him. Um, yeah. But I, a guy who – he was sort of the original Aaron Donald and has since uh-huh. been forgotten because his team is never better than mediocre is Geno Atkins. Dude, um, that's right. Geno yeah. is, is filthy because he's another yeah. sort of undersized guy. I mean undersized for the position. Sure, sure. Quick into the backfield, but he's just – he's ungodly strong. Yeah. And just – he he abuses the guys on the other side of the ball, and uh, and so he I I wish he was on a team with a vaunted defense because he would be recognized as the you know the hinge on which that defense turns. Yeah, um, yeah. So he's he's right up there. I'm really excited that the Vikings got Sheldon Richardson as well. Dude, what a great pickup, man! What a what a rich get richer kind of pickup that was. So I mean, it's uh, a it's a one year deal, which means he better play well because if he wants a long term deal, he you know he better be blowing up the other backfield every single play. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. That's a that's a fun acquisition for you guys for sure. There's a kid, man, in Jacksonville. I, I've got a little bit of a Jags fetish, if you can't tell, but um, <laughs> the kid that they drafted in the first round, Taven Bryan, out of Florida. Um, really interesting, strong defensive tackle, kind of a throwback type, um, lived in the opposing backfield last year as a, as a college player, just on strength alone. Um, I think he's going to kind of make that rich defense richer and I look forward to seeing what kind of work he's able to do down there and how much kind of rotation time he gets, um, onto the next category, Piper. Uh, the next category is I get to like the Redskins now, um, (laughs) For obvious reasons, if you're a, a longtime listener to the program, you know uh, you know why that is. So, bit of a bit of a feud that has since been resolved. It's a bit of a addition by subtraction situation with the Redskins. So now I get to like the Redskins. I get to watch Redskins games again. Um, who's your favorite Washington Redskin? They the, the Redskins are one of those non-entity teams for me. Like I just I haven't cared about them ever. And yeah. The the one the one player on that roster who piques my interest is Jordan Reed. Um, oh yeah, because yeah. because I like weird tight ends. I like weird yep. football players. So guys who are at a position who don't quite look like they fit the part, but they excel yeah. at it. And Reed yep. is shorter. You know, he's shorter for a tight end, so he's not like you know he doesn't look like Gronk. He right. doesn't he doesn't have the the best wheels. Um, but he's a he's a silly route runner with great hands who yeah. when he's healthy is like a 90 hundred catch guy, which is, which, you know, which is part of the reason their quarterback play has been, you know, as adequate as it has been given that Kirk cousins really isn't all that awesome. Um, so I, I think Jordan Reed's probably the guy on that roster that I'm excited about everybody else. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't even know that I could name anybody on their defense, for example, Dude. maybe two guys. Well, my favorite Redskin is one of the guys on their defense and it's uh, outside linebacker, Ryan Kerrigan. So I Ryan Kerrigan, Kerrigan, he's Purdue, right? Dude, he's Purdue. He was, he was one of the latest in a long line of Purdue pass rushers. 
Uh, Purdue has quietly produced some of the best pass rushers in the league over the last like 15 years. And uh, Kerrigan is one of those guys, just a grinder. Uh, where's number 91? And uh, interesting fun fact about Kerrigan, grew up about 20 minutes away from where I grew up. He went to Muncie Southside High School, um, so representing East Central Indiana. Uh, we used to play Muncie Southside in our uh, in our jamborees, the little like pre preseason games. Um, so so I've always kind of followed Kerrigan with interest. So I get to uh, I get to enjoy him anew this season. Um, offensively, I really like Darius Geis. Um, Darius Geis fell in the draft. He mm-hmm. uh, he was the running back that came after Leonard Fournette at LSU. Super explosive guy, probably a little bit more pop even than Fournette. Um, I think he's going to be filthy for the Redskins this year. I think they're going to have a really nice offense, man, with Alex Smith there at the trigger. Um, I look forward to seeing what they're able to Did get. Did you know that Vernon yeah. Davis is on their team? Really? The Vernon Davis? The, like the guy who's been tight end for what seems like 18 or 44 years? Dude, Vernon Davis was the first, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Pipe, he was the first tight end, and this was like 15 years ago when he was coming out and going to the Combine. He was the first like hyper athletic tight end. Yeah, he it was just he like ran, he ran a sub four four. I remember. Yeah, and, and just broke the internet in its early stages. So sorry, Dude, internet. He, yeah, he broke like the early internet, and he wore like that was that was back when the combine went to like spandex onesies for uh-huh. the first time, and everybody's just like, "Holy crap, who is this guy?" You know, he's a tight end. He weighs two fifty. He's running four four. Um, and then he proceeded to to take all of that talent and use it to to get. 25 catches a season it seems like I, that, there's some truth in that i think i think it's he's one of those things like you know how in in the late 90s if you were a 6'3 shooting guard in the nba mm-hmm. you just sort of got lost because yeah. because they didn't there was such like rigid ways to use positions and so if you weren't a point guard and you weren't a shooting guard you didn't have a position yeah exactly i kind of feel like that's what happened with him like if if vernon davis as a as a rookie ended up on this year's saints team. Yeah. He'd be 70 catches for 1100 yards and 12. Dude, you're so right. If Leonard, yeah. Yeah. If Vernon Davis came out now, he would light the league up. And to be, he did have a couple really good years where he put up 12 or 13 touchdowns, but then he would go to the year after and have 30 catches for 400 yards and two touchdowns or something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're right, man. I think he was an era too soon. And, um, you know, it's a shame that we, that we didn't get, that we didn't get a mesh of Vernon Davis with kind of modern flex tight end type uh, type offenses. That would have been fun. Okay, Pipe, a couple of more standard kind of team uh, team related categories here. I know we're we're pushing up against an hour that we've been on the air here, so I got to land the plane. Hyped team that will disappoint. Um, what hype team? Team's getting a lot of buzz, a lot of press right now. Do you think is gonna is gonna lay an egg and disappoint a little bit? Uh, I have two. Um, okay. The first is a team that I've already sort of spat upon in this, and that is I think Jacksonville will disappoint. Um, ah, because I don't I, – I think the history of teams that rely solely on defense and a bad offense, they, uh-huh. they just don't weather well. Yeah. Because it requires maximum effort from the defense and maximum health. Yep. And they're loaded on defense. I mean they mm. – in terms of talent, they probably have the most talented defensive roster in the NFL. But yep. – they lose a corner, they lose a linebacker, a defensive lineman goes down. They just, you know, if there's a crack in that defense, their offense is going to be horrific. Yeah. Because their yeah. quarterback is bad. I think Fournette yeah. might be a talented player, but he's one-dimensional, like we talked about. Their receivers are bad. They don't mm-hmm. have any tight ends. They're just, if, if they score 28 points in a game, it should be considered a miracle. So, unless their defense scores half of them. So yeah. I think I think you know last year's last year's dominant season will not be repeated. I mean I could see them being ten and six because I think their defense yeah. is that good. Yeah, but I think they'll disappoint. Uh, and then the other one is San Francisco. Interesting. So you think they you're not buying the Niners hype because I kind of am. I th- I I'm think buying I'm the Niners plan. I think they're okay. a year. I think they're a year ahead of schedule. Yeah, you can't win without talent. Yeah, <laughs> and that's they're true. and they started with such a bare cupboard. They had such a bad roster. I mean, and, and generationally they, bad. They still have a bad roster. Yeah, they still have bad playmakers, or just not yeah. enough of them. They have a few decent playmakers. They've they've started to put some good guys in place, um, and I just I don't think they're good enough to to live up to the hype. I think their coach is a genius offensively, uh, yeah. Kyle Shanahan. I think Garoppolo will be a good quarterback. Time will tell how good. Um, yep. But I just don't think they have the talent. 
and I don't think their defense is very good. I think they're going to get toasted by other teams. So yeah. I think I think they're probably a six-win team. Okay. And, and a lot of people are talking about them for, you know, potential playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they were a six-win team under under Jimmy G at the end of last season. So, you know, they they've got great momentum. I think they I think they're a little bit better than than maybe you're giving them credit for, but I my I think they're a six-win team who doesn't they they don't get the doors blown off. Like they're they're a competitive yeah, yeah, six-win team, maybe seven. Team. I can see that. I you know, if, that. if things tip right, they're all of a sudden they're eight and eight. But I yeah. but I think they're I think they're six and ten. Dude, so my uh, my disappointing team, my hype team that'll disappoint, and then I have a rejoinder to your uh, your Jacksonville comment. But I think the Rams are going to be a disappointment. Huh. You know, they've got this they've got this super team kind of roster, and again, on paper, it's hard to argue with that team, and it's hard to argue with what. Uh, McVeigh was able to do with them last year. I think he did brilliant things with Jared Goff and, you know, tip of the cap to all that. I just think with the personalities that they have in the boat at, at this point, I, I think that roster, I think that that locker room is going to implode at some point. Um, well, they I don't, don't know. Have, I, yeah, they don't have any depth either. So, you know, they people yeah. look at the talent that they have, which is The expectations are so high. Yeah, so, so high. Tons of talent. A lot of combustible personalities in that clubhouse. I, I just think... You know, it may not be a total gong show, but I just don't think it's going to be the, you know, the, the the primrose path to the Super Bowl that, you know, Rams type people would uh, would want you to believe. So um, my rejoinder to the Jacksonville comment, and I agree with everything you said, you know, um, at face value, that's what you're looking at. However, um, the Giants had some pretty great Super Bowl teams with no wide receivers, a good running game and a freakishly talented defense. Um you know, I, I think in the mid '80s, nobody was getting excited about you know Phil Sims and Mark Ingram Sr. And uh, that's a different know. era of football, though. Like that was the era when everybody was ground and pound, and only the Dolphins aired it out. Dude, yes and no, but I think you know, I I, I think what Doug Marone is the question that he's begging in Jacksonville is why can't that work again? Um, and it's an interesting question if you control the ball, shorten the game, get turnovers on defense, score on defense, um, and your offense just doesn't lose the game, I wonder if it can work, you know? And, See, I, and I think, I think that's, that's right, but I think their offense will lose games. Their, their offense may very well lose games, and, and you're not wrong in saying that. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I trust Blake Bortles to not lose games. Um, Piper, who's a sleeper team that you like? Um, I'm intrigued by the Colts. Okay, talk if, about why. If That's Andrew Luck plays 15-plus games. Okay. Because Andrew Luck, when he's healthy, is a top-five quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Or he can be. Yep. The reason when he's that healthy he, and he's not trying to do everything. Right. That's what intrigues me as well is that they brought over a coach who is not going to be running a piss-poor offensive system. So they hired uh, um, Reich. Yeah, Frank Reich. Frank Reich, um, from who was one of the offensive coordinators for the Eagles last year. And if anybody yeah, watched last year, yeah. they they were an excellent offense. Yep. Um, creative, creative, um, modern. puts yeah. puts the quarterback in a position where he doesn't get drilled because he's in seven step drops every time and runs yep. the ball outside of like between the guards. So I think yep. Frank Frank Gore might also thrive at age forty eight. Um, <laughs> exactly. I so I. The Colts intrigue me, and their division is better than it used to be, but still not super strong. There's yeah. a lot of questions in that division. So they're a, they're a deep sleeper. They're my deep sleeper. Yeah. Um, yeah. And honestly, I think they could be competitive with Brissett at quarterback, but I think luck is what puts them over the top. Um, yep. That said, yep. I think their defense is really bad, so I don't know. He's, but the Colts have, have a long history of good quarterbacks making up for bad defenses. So, Dude, um, yeah, you talk about bad roster stuff defensively. I mean, they're a semi-pro team defensively at this point, so yeah. um, they the, got to make a lot of changes. The other sleeper team is one that I have thoroughly talked myself into for my own benefit. Ooh, um, interesting. And that is the Tennessee Titans. Okay, nice. Because, talk about that. Well, because they went – they had the talent to go nine and seven last year, I believe, make yep. the playoffs, win a playoff game against uh, a Kansas City team that, you know, they had the, the let's just say it was an Andy Reid coaching job in the playoffs. But uh, <laughs> but they won a playoff game. That's not nothing. It's something to yep. build on. Then the management had the balls to fire the coach who took them there, which was exactly the right move because he was not a good coach. 
Yeah. So they have this pretty talented roster. They've added some good pieces. They lost almost nothing. And, well, except for their key free safety, who, who just blew his knee out. But, uh, yeah. and they brought in an offensive coach who's creative, which is exactly what Marcus Mariota needs to be an adequate and a, to above average NFL quarterback. So yeah. I think, I think they could, I think they could be a division winning team this year. Um, I'm excited to see what Mariota can do with a coach who moves him around and doesn't, doesn't ask him to do like old Kerry Collins type of offense stuff. <laughs> yes. I'm excited to yeah. see what their running backs can do with, you know, some, some read option stuff, some, you know, stretch plays, like something that's not just, that doesn't Dude, look like the 1992 Redskins. Deion Lewis might be the acquisition of the year. I'm calling my shot right now. I, I think he's great. Um, He's the he's the new little shifty running back that the Titans added to he's, pair with. Uh, he's a shifty running back, but if you look yeah. at his numbers, he he's a he's a tackle breaker. He's, Dude, a, he's tough a tackle runner breaker. Between he's good the, inside. Yeah, he can. Yeah, he can do it all, man. He can so really do it all. Between him and Derrick Henry, defenses are just going to get sick of trying to tackle those guys. Um, yeah. And that offensive line is big and mean, and their their wide receivers are not great. But right. I think they can be schemed open pretty effectively, which is another thing they they didn't do last year. Yeah, and we don't know really what they can do because of last year's offense and because of injuries to Corey Davis. We don't know. We really don't know what we have in that receiving core. So um, you know, we're gonna need we're gonna need some time to to really see what's there um, in a real NFL offense. I agree, Pipe. That could be a great sleeper. Mine is the Detroit Lions. So I think the Intriguing. Lions have. Yeah, they have a couple more years of peak Stafford. So we've got good Stafford for a few more years. Um, kind of tried to purchase a running game in the offseason and in the draft. Um, there's, a, there's a new coach in town, a real coach um, in Detroit. So I, I think this is going to be time for the big push for the Lions. And uh, if they're ever going to get over the top, this could be the year. So um, that's my sleeper, the Detroit Lions. That's, that's intriguing especially given the division that they're in because Dude, I, think- I actually think so a, a, a kind of companion statement to that. Um, I think green Bay is going to be a disappointment this year. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm nothing makes me happier than you saying that because I absolutely want to agree with you. Yeah. I, I just look at their roster and I don't know if there's enough there to put around Rogers. And I think they're in that sort of, Rogers as a magician kind of twilight that the, the Colts were in honestly with Andrew Luck a while ago where um, the roster just got a little thin around him and you know he started having to do too much the injuries came um, I, I don't know I don't think we're looking at like you look at the last 15 years of Green Bay and I don't think this is a a roster that you get super excited about compared to a lot of those years. Oh, their their roster is mediocre. I mean, if 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 you yeah. put if you swapped Aaron Rodgers and let's I mean, who's a who's a decent NFL quarterback but not exceptional? Um Kirk Cousins? Yeah, yeah, Kirk Cousins, but just pretty yeah. much middle of the pack. That that's probably a 7-win team at best. Yeah. Yeah, they're 7 and 9. Because Absolutely. they they don't have good receivers, they don't have great running back. Their offensive line is fine. Their defense is who knows what because they've had the worst scheme for the last few years. They're just they yeah. Been bad, so yep. yeah. I, I think Aaron Rodgers has saved his coach's job for about four consecutive years. Yeah, no, I agree, man. I agree. All right, Pipe. Real quick, we've got uh, we've got book, we've got sign off, but I want to go Super Bowl matchup before we get out. So, um, who who do you see in the Super Bowl? Super Bowl matchup. Um, man. It's hard, isn't it? it? It's real hard. Yeah. Um, I'm in. Oh man, I I almost wanted to pick the Houston Texans. Um, yeah. Because, but there's just so much that has to go right there. I'm not. So much. I'm not sure I can do it. Too much, I think. Um, yeah, but they that that's another sleeper team for you though. Um, yeah. Assuming that Watson is healthy. Yep. Hmm. Dude. Are we comfortable picking against Philly? Philly hasn't done anything wrong. That's the thing is, it's, you know? they, in fact, and and they did the right things, which is they didn't just run it back. They went yep. out and and added yep. talent, and 
oh, also got the MVP level quarterback back from a knee injury at some point exactly. this year. I'm exactly. not comfortable picking against Philly. Like if you put the, I mean, my favorite team, the Vikings, who are probably the second favorite in the NFC yep. according to pundits, I would pick the Eagles over the Vikings, um, and not just not just because I'm a Vikings pessimist, but because they whooped them last year and got better. Um, yep. So yeah, I think it's the Eagles and. It's hard to pick against the Patriots because that's yeah. a bad conference. They still have yep. Tom Brady. Um, they overcome their lack of talent all the time. And I they just do. mean, who who in that conference is going to give them a run for their money? That's the thing. I, I can't think of anyone. You know, I really can't. I, I mean, mean, there's a lot of, I, I a lot of mediocre to bad teams. Kansas City, if Mah- yeah. if Mahomes is, is a playmaker. Dude, and, and hear this. I would love that. Like nothing would be more fun than Mahomes, Andy Reid, Kansas City kind of renaissance. That would be a blast. But, but at the same time, if it's if it's an AFC Championship game of Kansas City versus uh, versus New England, that coaching Mahomes matchup Mahomes against it, Tom Brady. Like I, I'm taking Brady all day long, you right? Know? And and the coaching matchup leans heavily towards the guy who knows how to win in the postseason versus the guy <laughs> exactly. who can't read the clock in the postseason. Exactly. No, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Well, Pipe, we have time for uh, a book recommendation. This is a staple of the Happy Rant Sports Program. We recommend a sports book that we've read and enjoyed. Mine is by John Feinstein. Um, It's a book called Living on the Black that he wrote about pitching in Major League Baseball. So I try to read a a baseball book or two every summer. This was my my summer baseball read. Uh, He followed Mike Messina and Tom Glavin when they were both pitching in New York. So Glavin was with... um, the Mets, Messina was with the Yankees. Really fascinating kind of deep dive look into pitching and just not only pitching, but life in the major leagues for an older player. Um, these guys are both very cerebral. They're both craftsmen uh, when it comes to pitching. And, you know, well well written. You know, Feinstein's never um, – it's never dazzling. It's never really about the writing, but more about uh, the journalism and the interviews and the access. And uh, really fun book, man. I really found myself um, enjoying it. So it's a good baseball read. If you're looking for that, uh, what's yours, Pipe? Uh, I finally got around to reading Pistol, The Life of Pete Maravich. So finished that oh, yeah. a couple weeks ago. Um, I had I had been slow to read it um, because I'm jaded, meaning yeah. I had heard it recommended in the context of like, oh, he was friends with James Dobson. And I was like, yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah. I'm not dying to read a Christian sports book because they tend <laughs> to be pretty not awesome. Crappy. Um, yeah. But but it. I, I did I did not do it justice, so I finally got around to it, and it was phenomenal. It's such a good book because it was it was as much a biography of Pete Maravich and his dad, Press Maravich, and sort of their relationship because you can't really separate the two. That's kind yeah, of the, yeah. that's that's sort of the theme of the story. It's by a guy named Mark Kriegel. Dude, Kriegel is great. He did kind of the. Um, the quintessential Namath biography a, a few years ago. Really, okay. really good. Yeah, Joe and, and it, biographies run the risk of bogging down. You know, they get into they they slog through details or sports biographies where they'll they'll spend a chapter and a half on like one game, and yeah. and it, they just and this didn't it. Yep. At the moment, it sort of risked that he he moved it along to the next significant thing, um, and it was it was brilliant. And I just. I didn't. I also just didn't know how good Pete Maravich was, mm. um, and and it's not a book to praise him. It's a book to. I mean, it's a fair biography. So praising his sure. talent, also shining the spotlight on the things that weren't awesome about his life or his relationship with his dad. Um, yep. But he was ridiculous, and yeah. his body broke down, and he didn't take good care of himself, and and you know he just got burned out. But yep. but in terms of talent, he was he was amazing. So. It was an eye opener for me, and just brilliantly written. Pretty, pretty fascinating relationship between Pete and Press Maravich. Press was a was nice. a, uh, a legendary coach as well. So mm. that's uh, that's one that I I wish I had read it earlier. Didn't do it justice with my jadedness, but definitely worth a read. Uh, interesting, man. I need to check that one out for sure. Well, Piper, we have done what we always do on this program, and that we've wandered to and fro this time throughout the NFL, throughout the CFL. I will be hard at work getting our uh, our first ever CFL sponsorship on the program. Yes. And until next time, Andrew Sindejo. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. 
If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com 